Welcome to the C3 Church Global Podcast with Phil Pringle. Phil is the founder and senior leader of C3 Church Global, a family of over 500 churches around the world. We're passionate about bringing you fresh, inspiring devotionals to fuel your day and insightful conversations on all things church and leadership. And it all starts right now. Well, this is exciting, talking to Pastor Josh and Georgie Kelsey. We love you guys. So good to have you on our C3 Global Podcast. Thanks for having us. Live in New York. Live in New York. Yes, that's exactly what we are in snowy New York. Yes, a bit cold for you. It is freezing. <laughs> Not as cold as Omaha, though. I was there yeah. recently, and that was like we couldn't get off the plane because the wheels froze. Oh, my gosh. That's, <laughs> the, that's officially cold. So you just ice skated onto the runway. Yeah, something like that. Uh, it was it was unbelievable. Well, we had such a good day in church yesterday. It was the best. Your crew is world class. They are. Great and, team. And uh, the worship was amazing. You've done a great job here. Uh, not just surviving, but thriving. You know, uh, so I'd like to look at, because everybody around the world was looking at New York when COVID first hit and between COVID shutting down all the businesses and then the riots in the streets, it was, you know, it looked like New York's over. It was like, wow. And so in the middle of all that, a lot of, your people lost employment, artists, theater people, restaurant. Mm-hmm. So I had to move because mm-hmm. expensive living. Mm-hmm. Talk to me uh, how you managed that with that many people leaving your church. Yeah, it was quite a ride. I think when it first hit, um, Georgie knows this, I went into like overdrive. So I just, you know, just tried to carry the whole thing and went probably too hard um, because I knew it was going to be an issue. So we were trying to do so much, you know, so many online things. And it was all good and the church was amazing. Everyone rose to the occasion. But obviously no one knew how long this was going to drag out. So the pace wasn't sustainable. So I think by the end of summer of 2020, I started to kind of hit a wall already after everything was happening. So. The, you know, in terms of how I managed it, I think not very well. But you're um, still standing. I'm still here. Look at yeah. you. Yeah, I'm still you're here. You're still standing. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, that is that is not what everybody can say these days. Yeah. Because you, it wasn't just those. There was a number of things that happened in New York City over the last couple of years mm. that have mitigated like as a perfect storm to really push against churches thriving yeah but you know from all appearances anyway the the services i was in yesterday you're doing better than surviving you you are thriving what what do you think georgie yeah i mean i think um you know the level of what it means to thrive right now it's like we got through it and like you said we're still standing and um but i think that those beginning months like like josh said were he went into this like survival overdrive like and in many ways it was good we were all like oh this is a pandemic like this could be a few weeks like we packed our bags for two weeks and went out to Long Island but he was saying babe I don't feel good about this this is like these are the things he would say to me like um this is bigger than people think and and I was like 
I think it's going to be over soon. <laughs> like, we'll, we'll flatten that curve. Yeah, like Two for ends. real. And and he had this discernment about it, which was we laugh about it now. Mm. Um, but uh, I think I could see him probably like a lot of pastors just trying to navigate the season um, and try and take this opportunity for what it was, like go online, do it really well. But I could see him like not taking a Sabbath, you know, for probably a few months just going driving, even if it was just in his head, he wasn't. So I think um, then uh, we ended up taking our sabbatical um, this year, this year yeah. which was which really needed, awesome. I think, from just the drive that Fantastic. he the gear that he was in constantly right. right um in many ways like it, we needed it in new york city as yeah. well right even if so pandemic didn't happen we we needed a sabbatical you've been here for nine years now. nine years yeah and the church grew steadily mm-hmm. to yes. upper you know i mean you were in five locations yeah. at one stage yeah i'd say we were like five thousand members on the books right and then about you know two thousand in services yeah and then online you had yeah, a lot of people because you you kind of cracked that code pretty early on, the, the social media code, and reached a lot of people with messages and just the way that you did all that. Yeah, yeah, we saw. I don't know how we saw it, but we realized this is a great way to uh, reach people in New York. Mm-hmm. We didn't have much resource, no team, so social media became this great opportunity to reach New York, and it, and it worked. I saw social media and the phone is like a stained glass window. And wow. and if we could use it in a beautiful way that we could draw people to the house of God. And so that was the whole idea of doing photo shoots and like actually elevating it versus just advertising an event, make something look beautiful and make it magnetic uh, for people to come to church. So yeah, we're, we're grateful. But the team here, I mean, they deserve all the credit even for the last two years. Um, just the way they've run with us and um, mm-hmm. they're just true disciples, you know, yeah. just amazing. Yeah. That, I, do you have an intern program? Yeah. Yeah. How does um, that work? S- some of these guys are here. Um, it's a seasonal internship. So people come in, the main time's actually summer, but then those summer people, if they really enjoy it, they tend to stay and we do a fall, winter, spring and um, they get, you know, other benefits of being around and staff meetings and different things so it is it's been a a wonderful vision to watch because uh, maybe 10 years ago maybe longer it seemed to me that the one generation we were missing were young adults yes I mean you were our young adults pastors in Sydney but you couldn't say that it was an enormous ministry Mm. at that time Mm. youth was big yes and then your families with kids and looking after kids church was big but it just seemed like the lost generation with those young adults true yeah and but you guys since you guys have been in new york that's definitely been the high point yeah most of most of our church is young most of your people are young adults and and so what do you think do you think the dinner parties were a key to Definitely. The community? Yeah, huge, huge part. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. young adults, you know, they usually don't have kids. It's perfect. Every Wednesday night, they have a social thing they can go to um, and they have friends around them. It's so simple, but I think the consistency of it, of groups. Is yeah, and they have no family in the city. They have no family. They're moving yeah. from other places or they live here and they've, uh, 
you know, disconnected families. And New York's unique because there's so many people crammed into one place, but you, and you should theoretically feel like you have a lot of community, but you actually feel more alone. Huh. So that dichotomy is, it, it creates a big gap of, of um, heartache, I think. So when you provide something that's safe and family and meaningful and communion, breaking bread together, and once people taste it, they love it, and they're kind of, it's just a powerful time. Yeah, and I think that would be a key to why you've managed to keep it together through the, through the pandemic, because people want community. Yeah. Sitting in a congregation, looking at the stage, it looks the same to them. It's very discouraging to the pastor yeah. who's looking out and seeing like 300 people or 30 people where there used to be thousands or hundreds. Mm-hmm. Sure. But the people, if they're finding community, yes, they are getting that that well refilled mm. yes. all the time. And I think, I think the dinner parties, like you say, in New York City, are the home group that used to be a connect group or a cell group in South Korea. Cell groups yep. in our world in Australia, or a house connect church groups back in the day, house church way yeah. back, uh, and now it's so. Can you just talk about them? Uh, what, what happens? I, I, I'm going to a, to a dinner party. Yeah. I, I get, leave my house. Yeah. And I'm walking down the streets of New York and I come to... You come to a, a, a welcomer at the front of an apartment block. So There's we, somebody standing outside. Correct. So on we, the footpath. We believe that every threshold should have a welcomer because you have like three... Let, you know things you need to get through in a New York apartment. So you have the outside, then you have like the elevator or the stairwell, and then the actual apartment door. And that softens people's heart once they get in. They don't expect that. Um, and often they're like three locked doors. So yeah. like if you're waiting for a door, someone to let you. So you don't have to do that. We've got someone at every threshold. So there's there's, a, there's at least three people welcoming. Depending you. on the apartment block, but yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. No, I saw that, and I I just wanted to explain that because. A lot of times, even at a connect group, that's right. People turn up and oh yeah, it's like is there oh and somebody comes to the door. But if you've got somebody, yeah. that's right, out on the street and at the door, yeah. for about you know twenty minutes, welcoming. And a lot of people have social anxiety these days. They do. Like it's so so many people have it. So yeah. even going to people's home that they know for dinner, right. you can still feel a little bit like what do I bring? Yeah. So mm. let alone like turning up when you don't know anyone. So yeah. important. Yeah, and we can easily forget that as leaders when we've been in the church for so long. And the way we explain it is, you would never want that in your. Sunday service. Right. Right. You would never have no one at the doors, no one right. welcoming. So why do we do it in our small groups or for us yeah. dinner parties? So good. And it just changed the whole thing. And then the same, once you come through the doors, so you've had that welcome, there's someone there that will be offering food or drink. Mm-hmm. And the first hour is called party. So 50% of the word dinner party is party. So we, it's about the fun. It's about the atmosphere where... I found that. So they don't come in and have a Bible study? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and that's what, you know, I mean, Connect Groups, of, connect groups of, is so fun in Sydney, yeah. but I've been to a lot of small groups, uh, different churches or places, and it's like 
this is not fun. Right. And you just feel awkward immediately. So fun has to be super, high in and atmosphere. Fun and atmosphere, which is so all one any, thing. So any TV screen in their apartment has to have the dinner party logo on it. Right. We make a playlist for all the dinner parties. Of songs. Of songs, music. music. Um, lighting, we, we teach all that in we our need training. We need scent. We need like... A yeah, we want a scent, <laughs> a dinner party scent. Totally. Spray yeah. in the air. Yeah. <laughs> and just all that stuff, being prepared. So we, we teach on all the, the spiritual stuff and praying and preparing all that. But that happens... So it's eight to nine um, for most dinner parties. And around nine, someone just welcomes people. But training them to always welcome in such a way that you know or think there's a new person yeah, in the right. room. Now, I've been to churches where they've got the, I mean, the phrase welcome home is kind of quite popular now, but you don't feel there are only words up on this. Yeah. On, on, you know, there's no open arms and you're finding your way in. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, where's, where's the restroom, please? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so having, I think that's really big. I've always said you grow your church 15 minutes before church and 15 minutes after. Yes. That's right. Uh, that's when people are bonding yes. to you as a group. Yeah, that's something we took from Sydney, right. from knowing that mm. to yeah, our Chris. services. Yeah. So right. we even say 10.30 a.m., but it starts at 11. Yes. You know. So we say church starts yeah. with fellowship, and that's worship. Well, that came that's from awesome. that, yeah. But the other thing we added for dinner parties is tables, So, which has been really cool because dinner parties is a longer-term commitment for people. It's like four liters. It's, a, it's every Wednesday night, right. apart from a couple of weeks right. in the Christmas season. And um, tables give people an opportunity to host one seasonally so mm-hmm. it's not an all-year commitment so right. they might go what are some examples like well, a daughter's table yeah or business we tables. needed a cafe right yeah and and it's good it just fills in some of the gaps at different times which yeah. we added after pandemic yes right. um yeah. to re-engage people and they've worked really well they're actually taking off so that, that makes it flexible so you have the dinner parties that are very consistent and then tables if there's a need like some tables are going through a book together mm-hmm. or other studies and uh, it's been a women real in leadership whatever like yeah. they can sort of choose and it's more flexible right yeah do you have a dinner party leader training yes yeah. every, thing, every you know? month and every dinner party is run by four leaders right and so historically wow. we've had no dinner parties not run right because you don't have oh i'm sick or i'm traveling or whatever okay. and i believe that the strength of your community is dependent on the consistency of your small groups. Okay. So So even if the host is away for work, they'll, they'll host might, it somewhere else. They'll host it somewhere else or at times give that person, their good yeah, friend, right. their apartment key. Okay. So it's at the same place. And, yeah. Yeah. So. What's the frequency for dinner parties? So the first Wednesday of every month is all in team night and then every other Wednesday is dinner parties. Every other Wednesday. I mean, so sorry, no, every week. Every week. Three weeks month. a month, yeah. yeah. Oh, three, three weeks a month, right. Mm. So every Wednesday. Do, do people something. bring food or do the hosts make it? It's actually, most, yeah. most groups, uh, they bring stuff. Yeah. Um, which is really cool. So the so other. it's like old, old time church. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Chicken casserole. Here yeah. Come. And they're cool. I mean, one of the ways we kind of cast the vision early on was it saves you money. Totally. And New York's really expensive. Yeah. And that's the night where you can like just bring some ingredients and then cook together. Fantastic. Oh, you actually cook? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 People actually cook <laughs> That'd be great. I'm going to one of those. Yeah. <laughs> you can extend your, your Yeah, flight. my wife would love that. She, <laughs> yeah, Pastor Chris, it's she her jam. Oh, next time she's here, making, she has to come yeah, to the party. We, we, because actually the, pro, the, the whole thing of cooking 
everybody congregates in the kitchen. That's right. Around the cooking of food. Mm-hmm. I've never quite figured out what that is, but yeah. so true. That's where there's a whole community vibe and a lot of emotional bonding that takes place yes. when you're cooking together. I feel like cooking. it's less awkward. Yeah. Because you're doing something. And it, it is. Can be useful. Or, yeah. Or it's you know. And Especially for guys. Guys don't like connecting when they're not doing something. Exactly. Well, you understand something. <laughs> yeah. No, but that is true. And here's the other deal. Both guys and girls cook. Yes. yes. You know, it's not like you got a tool shed. Do you and cook, Pastor have, Phil? Do, you do cook? I cook? You cook a great whole do fish I on the barbecue. Yes. Right? Yeah, I don't cook a lot, but when I do. <laughs> <laughs> you made me some good honey toast in Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm good for. Boiled water and honey toast. Yeah, yeah. It was great. It no, is. Pastor Phil does the big fish. The I whole know. Thing. Yeah, I do. I, yeah. I, put a, I, put, I put a fish in that cut, its head's out one end of the barbecue and its tail's out the other. Amazing. It's humongous. Yeah, do you huge. catch it? I'd love to say yeah. <laughs> but I heard a story once about a guy who uh, they were out fishing with these guys and, and he kept catching fish and he'd look at it and he'd throw it back. <laughs> big fish. You'd catch another one, big fish, you'd throw it back. Caught a little one. And he kept it. And the guys in the boat saying, What are you doing? <laughs> he said, Oh, my frying pan's only this big. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a preaching. Don't don't fit your world to your Your frying pan. Yeah, your frying pan, for goodness sake. Get, Get a, a bigger, bigger frying pan. <laughs> Get a big barbecue. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, the dinner parties have been a real highlight of your... And I'd never heard of it until you guys did it. Mm-hmm. Was that the same for you? It was like a, yeah, it was an a idea, idea from God? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's been amazing. We've had over 700 churches do our training outside of the movement. Wow. And a lot of churches now call their small groups dinner parties, yeah. which is cool. It's just smart. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and that's why we... I mean, we were talking about it because the team didn't arrive from Sydney and we're like, how do we start a church in New York? And and also it felt weird to invite someone to a small group that's never been to church. Right. So the word dinner party just makes it an easy word because you don't have to explain it yeah. to an unbeliever. Yeah, they know exactly, immediately. Yeah. And New well, York's kind of famous for dinner parties as well. Like it's a, it's a culture that's already there. Right. So moving on to another uh, area, uh, you've... You've obviously attracted a whole range of New Yorkers who have traditionally been thought of as difficult to reach. You know, New York, hard, sure, yeah. hard city to crack. Um, but definitely, you guys have made inroads. So, what are you preaching? What, 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 are, what has been those connecting points with a typical New Yorker? Just positive thinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, less cynical here, right? Yeah, no. Uh, I learn a lot from Tim Keller, who's just obviously okay. a legend in the city. Yeah, and he he talks about um, the 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 New Yorker is a thinking man or a thinking person. Okay, and so they want the truth, and they want it explained. So not just cliches, Christian cliches, yeah. but unpacking right. the idea. Um, which you did yesterday so well, you know, because it's like you're making declarations, but then you're telling a story or an analogy or a narrative or a biblical story. So 
Um, yeah, I, I don't know. What do you What do you think that we've? Well, you've started daughters, Georgie. Yeah, so and that's reached. I mean, a lot of the girls, right? Yeah. So for daughters, I would say empowering women. Like, like honestly, I feel like church. What we've focused on is community. I I would say get because New York's lonely. If I could put one word over it, like for the who knows where God's taking yeah. us. We feel like the focus. You know, he's always leading us seasonally, but I would say overarching is like for church, we've preached, hey, the family of God, come in. You're in New York City. You're not alone. Um, meet God, but meet people that can help grow you in God and find connection. That's been what I think. But for daughters, it's really empowering women. Um, and I think for, for me, for my heart, um, would be letting women know they are empowered and mm. not victims. And so I think there's been um, obviously, you know, a lot of a lot going on for women over the past few years, a mm. lot of movements for women and a, a lot of it's awesome, but we can't move into a victim mindset of like I'm a woman therefore like you have your choices, you have freedom, you're fully empowered by God. So that's my heart for daughters just to empower them and um, sensational. Yeah. Yeah. So here you are raising Children. Yeah, trying. Boys. <laughs> Great boy. You know, awesome. right in New York, while you're running a church in New York City, I, Chris and I went through that in Sydney, yes. raising kids at the same time. It's, it's a, you know, it's a big ask it, to do it. And uh, Chris devoted herself in those days to mm. being a mother, but also was involved in leading worship, preaching uh, occasionally. Uh, but then as time passed, uh, as our kids grew up, she became more engaged with, uh, you know, the whole ministry and what we're doing. Yeah. And so what's been your journey? It's just been really seasonal. So reflecting each season, what does God want me to focus on and not locking myself in? Because, like, the kids are growing up. They change. Church changes. What do I need to speak into in church? That all changes. Like, I was the worship leader when we started. I know, the poor people, not many people stayed. <laughs> no, you did such a no, good job. No, it was tragic. I did not know that. It was not it's, tragic. It was awesome. Um, <laughs> right? And so I was the worship leader. Uh, then I was cooking pasta on Wednesday nights and, and Brooks was crawling around as a six-month-old in the apartment when it was just a dinner party, all the seasons of church life. But I think what's helped um, has been reflecting seasonally. Okay, God, what do you want me to do for this season? What do you want me to focus on in my role? Because really, I can choose what I focus on, right? So when's when's a season? Is that uh, it might at be, the beginning of a year, yeah. or a, you know, and then you write it down and audit your life? And I'm always doing things like that. Like this year, yeah. where am I? Like, what does Georgie need to do? What can yeah. only Georgie do in right. this church? Right. And it might be um, connecting with people every yeah. time I can, like right. smiling, being that, being that person that yes. in a time when it, life sucks for people in New yes. York. Right. Yeah. And, or it might be, I need to like dive into the creative team and help them produce content. Right. It might be whatever. It might be really focused on daughters. Writing a Christmas production. It might be writing the, helping write the Christmas product, which was which fun. I love yeah. that. One of the words someone gave me in your church before I left, um, one of the members was, you're like a um, bird. I got a picture of you just flying around different, wow. you're free. So oh, God's yeah. going to give you different things at different seasons and he's going to show you what you're meant to focus on. How good on. is that? So that's been really cool. Because then yeah, I don't get caught up in my head, you know. Yeah, um, I mean, obviously talented and resilient to, to raise kids and then to 
And to be a worship leader, I did not know that part of your story. Well, we try not to talk about yeah. it. <laughs> but you know what? I, I do have some. We all, you don't live in regret. But if I looked back and I was talking to someone who's planting a church with babies, I would say, like, be the mum, be there. Like, I think I, I was working. I took a full-time job producing at an agency when Brooks was a year old. Yeah, because you're a TV fund, producer for us. In yeah, 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 helping fund, mm-hmm. like, our life and here. Yeah, and, yeah early days um and I was yeah and then I I'm just focused so I think um COVID's been good for me to refocus on the kids right yeah and God redeems everything speaking of COVID yeah not COVID but the pandemic I know yeah no speaking of COVID you got COVID yeah in Europe recently we all did yeah Yeah, you all got it but but Josh cleared up (laughs) and was able to get back and you, unfortunately, had to spend another week in Paris. Yeah, I just faked. You look so sad about that. Yeah, it was so tough. <laughs> I faked the doctor's letter. I've still got COVID. <laughs> That's your joke. I stole that. Yeah, no, but, that is, that yeah, is no we all got it. But you know they say women, it stays in your system longer. You can test positive for longer. Hmm. Yeah, it's a crazy thing, right? Yeah. And so, anyway, you're back and in, into snowy New York, yeah. which is good. And... Uh, you know, it's a, it's a time of growth right now in yes. the church. Yep. There were new people in church yesterday yeah, raising their hands, coming to Christ. So even in a pandemic, we're seeing, you know, right around the movement, great growth, which yeah. is, it is awesome. And, uh, it's, and it's not just growth in numbers, which is a nice outcome, but I think it's growth in people. Yeah. Yes. When I look at you two guys, you have really, you know, grown uh, stronger, bolder, uh, and your team is reflecting that, obviously, because you've been away and the whole place has just gone on brilliantly. Praise so that's, that's, that's a really good, I mean, that's a really good outcome of discipling and causing people to grow. And, and I have been shocked looking at some churches that have not done that and seen them kind of fragment and mm. crumble because the believers, you couldn't say are, are really in there as committed disciples. They may be going to church each weekend, yeah. but that's about it. Yes. And uh, I think this is really important in this time. That's why I've written that book, Disciple, Yes, uh, which I think could help both pastors and people in the pew. Yeah. Uh, just to have a lifestyle that is sustainable mm-hmm. for the rest of their lives, following Christ and... Uh, regardless of what happens. Yeah. I love the simplicity of it. Obviously, we make things complex, but when you were talking about that yesterday, just to be a ruthless follower of Jesus, mm-hmm. no matter what happens around you. Right. And I think that's where, where, where we've been at the last two years. It really tested, okay, where's our commitment? Right. You know, is it because, you know, there's lots of people in church or, you know, 40% of the city left mm-hmm. or... You know, whatever the circumstances, is it because things are going well that we follow God? Right. And obviously the answer is no, but I think that's, you know, it's easy to follow him when everything's, you know, feels successful. Yeah, I, I honestly think that at, at least half of following Jesus is painful. Correct. It's difficult. Yeah. It's yeah. challenging. We're called to follow him and to suffer. And for some Christians who don't want to accept that, it's like the S word. Oh, no, we're not going to suffer. Paul wouldn't have suffered as much if he'd only had a great faith, you know. I mean, please. The the deal is 
part of following Jesus is suffering. But that doesn't mean you walk around morbid no. and yeah. depressed. Yeah. You rejoice in spite of. Yes. And that's what faith is. It's not always just getting the answers you want. It's living above unresolved circumstances that's it. in victory, even though I've got this difficult family situation, I've got this illness or I've got this financial crisis. I'm not going to... Though the fig tree doesn't blossom and the, mm. there's no hurt in the stall, yet I will rejoice mm. in the Lord. How do we um, just help, I guess, young adults get over that? Because that is a bit of a trend. It's mm-hmm. like when life is tough and they're kind of moping or complaining mm-hmm. and, you know, you want to be compassionate and understanding, but it seems we've gone so far that way on the pendulum that they've misunderstood well, Paul says rejoice while he's in chains, mm. writing that in prison when he's been yeah. whipped. Um, and the it, joy is genuine. It's genuine. He's not just and, writing. And uh, we become weak if we're not joyful. Yes. The joy of the Lord is our strength. strength yeah. Plus, we get sick without joy because mm. laughter is a medicine. Mm-hmm. And joy isn't just like some invisible emotion. It's laughing. Yeah. It's singing. It's laughing. It's being joyful. Yeah. Mm. And... Studying the word joyful isn't going to make you joyful. Mm-hmm. Getting the Hebrew meaning and the, you know, the background. That's not, being joyful is what you are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so when you're around people, you're like a climate changer. Mm-hmm. You're a thermostat. You, you turn up the, the temperature and the, jo- the joyfulness of life. And for some, uh, in, in the name of authenticity, would sacrifice joy because that's not real. Right. You know, it's, it's like, but it is real. Mm. Exactly. It, it, Paul wasn't faking joy. He had an honest well of yeah. joy bubbling up on the inside, and all of us do mm-hmm. if we will tap into that. Mm-hmm. And that's where spiritual revival and awakeness come yeah. when we open that well wow. of joy and laughter up on the inside of us. But, but for some, that's not deep enough because yeah. deep equals serious, yes. funeral-esque. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Christianity. Seriousness and, is a fruit of the spirit yeah. for them. <laughs> I I, can you imagine those two processions meeting each other? The widow of Nain. Mm-hmm. They're all dressed in black, coming out, wailing, mourning. And here it says a great crowd came with Jesus. And I can imagine them all colorful garments, playing guitars, yeah. dancing, yeah. waving palm branches. Yeah. <laughs> procession of life meets procession of death. Wow. Who wins? That's right. Life, and it's like you said yesterday. We're we're here to bring dead people back to life. Yes, mm. we're not here to bring dead people back to dead. Yeah, <laughs> we, exactly. You know, More deadness. Yeah, we, you don't come. To, <laughs> we're we, semi alive people to dead. <laughs> yeah, so, I, it's like Christianity sometimes is so morbid. And, yeah, uh, and I don't, I just don't think uh, we have to go there. Ha- have you? Obviously, you've had those seasons where you've had to lament or mm-hmm. obviously you have to lament and grieve in order to get yep. to that source. What does that look like for you? I think, yeah, I can genuinely repent, mm-hmm. lament, be sorrowful. Mm-hmm. All those words are genuine scripture words, but that doesn't need to bury joy either. Yeah. That's right, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, honestly, you know as a preacher, half the time you go into that pulpit, you're carrying pressure. Yeah. A lot of pressure, mm-hmm. current crises. In fact, it's rare that I'm preaching that I haven't got some unresolved crisis in the background. Wow. And 
what, are you going to get up there and just be miserable? And yeah, yeah. Put your misery on everybody else? That's not what we're called to do. Mm-hmm. We're called to... And I, I do think that the suffering is like a seed that's meant to be buried in the ground. Yeah, And great. Jesus says, he, he says like, hey, when you're, when you're fasting and, or suffering, don't tell everybody about it. It's, yeah. it's a secret place. Yeah. That's one of your secret places in God. Mm-hmm. And so... If you get sympathy because you're sharing all your pain, people give you the sympathy and then that you've lost your the seed of the trial, mm. the fertilizing of what, what's going on. That's, yes. what, that's what I would think. But I also do think that resilience is desperately needed, emotional strength, so that people don't collapse, yes. Yes. implode or explode yes. when the, the pressure comes. So cool. It's yeah. amazing, like, Daniel and his friends looked better Mm. They're away from their home, mm. different diet, but their skin's glowing and they're alive. And then they yeah. change their diet to try and get yeah. what he had, which is our call, I guess. Even while we're suffering, we can right. bring joy. And then people change their diet. They change what exactly. they're feeding themselves. Mm. It's evidence of God. Yes. Joy is evidence of God. Yes. In your presence is fullness of joy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, God is joyful. Yeah. God is happy. God is, God laughs. God, you know, and we could say, well, he's not cognizant then of what's going on down here. I mean, it's a mess. But how can I help the mess if I'm a mess? Yeah. I've got to be a light rising in the day for people to sort of lift up their head and say, maybe there is hope here. Maybe there's faith. And I, I can't bring darkness by being dark. I can't beat the darkness by being more dark. Yeah. yeah. I can understand the darkness and show empathy and I grasp it. I get it. Mm-hmm. I get it, guys. But that doesn't mean I have to be it. Yeah. Uh, I can be the, part of the answer, not part of the problem. That's great. Anyway. Love that. Thanks for sharing today. Uh, thanks is, for having thanks us. Thanks for having awesome. us. an honor. And uh, always great to catch up with Kelsey's. Great we love you. Thanks love for being you. in New York. <laughs> it's been my, my joy. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the C3 Church Global Podcast. Let us know what you thought by leaving a review and connect with us on Instagram at C3 Church Global. We hope you'll be back real soon.